What's up everyone? Welcome to Drummer's Perspective. My name is Ben Todd and I'm here to help broaden your scope of what's possible as a drummer. Thank you so much for tuning in today, whether you're listening on the podcast or you're here on YouTube, I really appreciate you wherever you are. If you are on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, that would really, really help me out. Today though, I have the incredible pleasure of bringing you a conversation I had with Mr. Joel Farland. Now, Joel is a guy who seems to be living the absolute dream when it comes to the type of work that he's been able to do over the years. Joel started out first and foremost as a drummer and percussionist, studying classical percussion in London, then going on to play drums with some incredible groups like Peking Duck, Lisa Mitchell, Broods, Miami Horror. He's since then gone on into the world of musical directing and producing for some of the biggest touring names out there right now. Again, everyone from Charlie XEX, Hayden James, Peking Duck, Rita Ora, Amy Shark, the list goes on and on and on. Joel has just done so much work, both as a drummer and now as a musical director and producer. I had such an incredible chat with Joel. It was so informative, so inspirational. He's full of wisdom in all things about drumming for festivals and major tours, as well as musical directing and producing for some of the biggest names out there right now. So if you're a drummer who wants to learn a little bit more about what it's like to play for major artists on big festivals and tours, or perhaps you're a drummer who wants to get more into the world of musical directing and producing for major shows, then I know you're gonna get something out of this chat. I certainly learned so much and I know you will too. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mr. Joel Farland. Before we jump into today's conversation, I wanna offer you a free gift. And today that's my seven ways to attract more work as a drummer PDF guide. If you feel like you're working on all the right things as a drummer, you're seeing some improvement in your playing, perhaps you're quite established in your music scene, but you just aren't out there working as much as you would like to, then this guide is perfect for you. Here I offer seven ways for you to reapproach your trajectory as a drummer and give you a fresh perspective on how you might be able to attract more work as a musician in general. Best thing about this guide is that only one of the tactics involves picking up a pair of drumsticks at all. So if you want to get out of your rut, get out of that feeling of being a little bit stuck and just look for some fresh approaches to realign where you're going as a drummer and as a musician in general, then please head to drummersperspective.com slash seven ways and grab that free downloadable PDF guide right now. Joel Farland, man, thank you so much for taking some time today to, uh, to chat um, uh, with me about all things drumming and musical directing and producing. Um, man, we could take this conversation I feel like in so many different places because you've got such a wealth of knowledge not only as a player but now as an incredible producer pulling together some of the most like amazing live shows that are going on in Australia and around the world right now so yeah man I, I maybe we'll end up doing a part two but uh, but to start with I just want to um, kind of hear your uh, your your story of your journey, like how you started out as, as a drummer and percussionist, um, into what you're doing now, which is, which is just absolutely amazing. So I started at, uh, my, my background's classical. So, yeah. and from quite an early age, wanted to be a part of, uh, an orchestra and be involved in I very much wanted a symphony orchestra job. And I was on that path from a, a really young age and I didn't have the easiest run at school. And so when I was at school, I, um, I got bullied quite a bit. And so what I'd do during lunch times and before and after school, I'd, I'd head into the practice room. And so I'd, I'd been as a classical percussionist doing, you know, xylophone, snare drum, timpani, marimba, vibraphone, all that stuff. Ended up changing to a music school, uh, the Sydney Conservatorium High School. And then when it came time to do university, I didn't want to go to the, the Sydney Conservatorium because I'd just been there for you know, four or five years. So I applied for a scholarship to the Royal College of Music. Mum and dad couldn't help me out with all the fees. And so they said, we'll support you, but you know, you've got to figure out how to do the fees. And so I practiced my ass off and I got a full scholarship. Wow. And which was phenomenal. And yeah, I was very, very much on the, on the classical stead. Then got there. My main teacher there was a guy called Kevin Hathaway, um, who's just a phenomenal teacher. And then one of his great things was he was 
at the Royal College, there are people who aren't just percussionists that have come out of there. There's a guy who's one of London West End's uh, London West End End's biggest MDs, guy called Rob Beckland. There's uh, a conductor called Tim Henty, who's you know done things all around with the Royal Ballet. Then there's you know arrangers, and so Kevin was a phenomenal leader in being able to pick this particular type of personality that was assertive. And what he was great at teaching was musicianship and how to make things exciting and how to make them great for an audience. And so many of those lessons that I went through with Kevin, I apply to everything today, you know, things like leaving the crescendo to the last minute, you know, great. Um, yeah. um, you know, preparing super well and, mm-hmm. you know, how to prepare for uh, a performance, mm-hmm. you know, structuring lots of little performances before the main performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and preparing recitals and things like that. Then what was great about the Royal College was that there there wasn't a jazz department, mm-hmm. but that meant that I could take drum kit as well. And so mm-hmm. Ralph Salmons, who is, again, one of the best drummers and mm-hmm. most notorious drummers for um, Big bands, movies, theatre. He plays in the Water Boys. He's Ralph is phenomenal, and he taught me so much uh, about making things feel good, making sure that time was king. If I had good time, I'd always be able to get a job. Mm-hmm. I'd always be able to work. So great time, and concurrently there was a great studio set up. And so I ended up taking composition for screen and ended up majoring that as well. So all those little things, I was always really interested in technology and how I think as a classical percussionist, I got frustrated in that I wanted to be involved in the music making more, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, when even as, even playing timpani in some of those huge orchestral works, you're you can be sitting around for quite a lot of time as opposed Absolutely. to the players who are playing the whole time. And so, um, a need to be wanting to play more. Mm-hmm. Sure. So then, I'm, in my first year, I met a guy who was on the opera course in the year above me. His name was Mika, and this is two thousand four. 2005, 2004 and 2005. Mm-hmm. And he had a phenomenal four octave range and he went, oh, I'm, I'm going off to Los Angeles to, you know, someone's found me and I think I'm just about to sign a record deal. Anyway, that ends up being Mika. Who, wow. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I played on uh, one or two of his demos that actually ended up being released and I think they're somewhere online. That's amazing. Um, wow, great. Yeah, but that was my first taste into pop. Mm. And just seeing, you know, I remember jamming with him and bef- before anything, just going, oh, there's another way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just this classical huge focus. And my, my listening was always really broad. Mm. So he goes off and becomes this superstar. <laughs> yeah. Million, seven, eight million records sold, and you know I was third year, and I was just, <laughs> this is this is crazy, because I was on scholarship, and my very existence in the UK being locked to me, <laughs> being in that on sure. that degree program, I finished, and okay. I made sure, and all my professors were saying, just work hard, make sure you get a first class honours. Mm-hmm. And so I had a real focus to make sure I got that first class honours, which uh, anyone in Australia that's high distinction or in the States, I think that's magna. Mm -hmm. Whatever the the highest you can get. Mm -hmm. And so I I worked hard and I I kind of put those those dreams of, you know, heading into pop just to the side for a little minute. Mm. And and also just looking at Ralph and what my other teachers were doing and they were still very much involved in that. Mm. And then at the same time, Darren Ferrugia 
who's an Australian giant, great, mm-hmm. um, recommended me. He was living in London at the time, and he recommended me for this weird electronic band that was, um, I say weird, and now it seems really normal, but they would trigger, it used MIDI pads to trigger um, visuals. Mm-hmm. And so it was like playing a, a live game, but what now is, you know, one person can do with a really easy MIDI, MIDI interface and everything, it was sure. super complex, you mm-hmm. know, even back in 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And they came up with the idea, what's the hardest drum piece you've ever played, Joel? And I go, well, I played a lot of hard stuff, but I think mm-hmm. something that has a sexy story to it is... Um, mm-hmm. The Black Page by Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I I played them. I'd learnt it for a, a thing at, at the Royal College. Mm. And they said, well, that's pretty insane. So they actually got a bunch of animators to do up a skeleton and all this kind of stuff of, of me wow. playing the back page. So I'd play the back play, page and it would control this character behind me. And so mm-hmm. that really got me on the path of multidisciplinary and thinking about things from the audience perspective and that band flew me around the world doing that that stuff so i had to play the back page every night (laughs) (laughs) not a bad gig (laughs) well it's it's fine you you know um you know Mm. it was it was a challenge to learn it but once you'd learned it you know yeah like anything really um you know then Martin Ware, who was in a band called the Human League, saw that band play. Mm. And Martin was what I guess Mark Ronson is now in Mm. the 80s. So he used the hard line according to Terence Trent Darby. Uh, He was in a band, he was in the Human League and then Heaven 17. He produced Tina Turner's um, reboot in 1983 1984 he was the producer du jour in in the mid 80s of of the cool kind of stuff they wanted to go back on the road so in this is 2008 when i'd finished uni or just finishing uni the week i finished uni and and he said we're going out on tour with the human league uh heaven 17 and abc do you want to come play and it was like a large theater arena tour Mm. and i went absolutely and he goes do you have an electronic drum kit because he'd seen me play that track that black page that Mm. electronics that was owned by then yeah and i went yep i own an electronic drum kit anyway immediately (laughs) after that call my mate just go hey if i get this thing can i borrow your rolling kit and go do you know how to program it and i was like absolutely i don't know (laughs) And I think Martin to this day still doesn't know I was lying through my teeth. That's incredible. Wow. <laughs> anyway. He had the confidence came... anyway. <laughs> oh, the, the, I think I probably worded it enough to blag it. But mm-hmm. um, in my head, the tour was in six months. So I was like, oh, I can learn how to program something in six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyway, I got the gig and I ended up turning up with a Yamaha DT Extreme mm-hmm. at, at that time, which was one of the first boxes where you didn't need a trigger to MIDI and a sampler mm. um, and essentially a whole rack of equipment. Mm-hmm. So learning how to program that was such a real eye-opener. And mm. Andrew Small, who at the time was with Kylie Minogue and Massive Attack, I went and had a couple of lessons with him as to how he did his electronic setup. Going back to that thing, how do I get things sounding like the audience wants to hear them mm-hmm. and and getting them sounding exciting? Mm-hmm. So this was mm-hmm. 2008. Just before the pop world, pop world then was still Regina Spector, you know, Mika. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. very, Lady Gaga was about to hit or just hit. And so when all of pop turned very electronic, I already, I was there. I'd already mm. had it. And so just by pure luck, you know, Martin <laughs> stopped play once and got my number. Wow, man. What a progression. That's amazing. So, so then from, so I played with Heaven 17. Um, we did a lot. They became cool again. And so <laughs> we did 
all the music festivals in the UK, we, you know, toured through Germany and Europe and uh, later with Jules Holland and mm-hmm. a bunch of TV shows. Then I moved back to Australia um, and chasing chasing a girl and <laughs> then I met it, it took me a year in Australia to to mm-hmm. kind of find my feet mm-hmm. and Michael D Francesco who's touch sensitive uh, you know and a great phenomenal bass player and producer he was in a band at the time called Vanshee and he'd heard of Heaven 17 mm-hmm. one of the only people in Australia at the time who you know had Mm-hmm. And their drummer from Van Chi had left and he um he he said, Hey, what are you doing the next couple of months? The band's mm-hmm. gonna break up, but we've got all these dates we need to fill. Mm-hmm. Can you come around the world with this? And so <laughs> I come around the world with Vanshee. Wow. And then Vanshee folded, he said, Oh, we need to get you another gig. Here, here are the Miami horror guys. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, who were looking for a drummer at the time. Mm. So John Miami Horror, then went from Miami Horror, then into Broods, mm-hmm. um, and New Zealand's band who were super hot at the time. Mm. Toured around the world with them. And and around, around the time Ableton was becoming a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so with Vanshee, I was running the tracks mm. and off an iPod. Mm. <laughs> Great. And bounced everything down. It was click left and tracks right. Amazing. <laughs> Old school. Yeah. So um, we went around the world like that. And apparently that's how the presets and Daft Punk toured in the late. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently wow. so. But maybe okay. not Maybe not Daft Punk, but definitely the presets toured like that. Mm-hmm. Then Ableton was just becoming a thing. Mm. And again, Mike at the time went, oh, hey, Ableton Live School are looking for educators. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm pretty green with with Ableton, mm. um, but, you know, I'm happy to learn. And they said, well, what they want is they actually just want musicians teaching, you mm. know, the the program. We can teach you the program. You just got to stay a lesson ahead. So that's exactly mm. what I did. I stayed one lesson ahead Great. and yeah. was one lesson ahead of all the of all the um all the students yeah 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 yeah. But I, I think the the musicianship and everything like that was able to you know really be a benefit beneficial experience for them so became a real quick study in in ableton and found that i really loved that process again of just going okay how do we get this sound to the audience mm. and how do we get a really exciting show how do we replicate that how do we replicate that live mm. And, you know, I'm skipping through a bunch here. Yeah, um, that's okay. Then I started to do a couple of arrangements, you know, even with Broods who were, mm-hmm. you know, really, really hot at the time. Our mm. LA show, uh, it, it was at the Fonda and downstairs was mm. sounding that up, up the top was the gallery mm. and, and it's quite close to the stage and it was Taylor Swift, Joel Little who'd produced bruises stuff and lord stuff mm. but then now produces for taylor and others mm. ellie golding there was a band called walk the moon uh, a bunch of actors and mm. actresses it was the place to be in la that night and wow. oh, all the, the band heim and yeah yeah man what a night so you, you know you look at yeah. the drums and you see that that wall of faces <laughs> there and you just go okay jolly don't fuck up wow um, <laughs> incredible it was around that time that I was starting to produce a lot and mm-hmm. I produced some records for some artists on Warner and I had started to work. I'd done a couple of those like a version segments, mm. um, which is um, a bit like the Radio 1 Live Lounge mm-hmm. um, in which you had to produce up a cover. Mm. And so I was beginning to music direct some baby artists on these shows. Mm. Mm. But I, I really had a deep knowledge into the technology at the time as well. So mm-hmm. record labels were loving it because I could get their records to sound like it was live, which was a real big frustration for yeah. record labels. 
they would go to their shows of their of their new artists and it would sound nothing like the records that mm. it, you know so I, I became known for being able to achieve a really good sound and so mm. from there edm culture was huge and djs wanted to figure out how to make their live show better so i became known as the guy who could take a dj show and turn it live mm -hmm. so did that with a couple of guys hayden james was maybe the first one of the mm -hmm. first ones then Hamada, and then i got a call from peking duck mm. and they were one of the biggest acts in australia mm -hmm. um and we did a huge, huge show for, um, I think Splendor in the Grass is about 2017 now. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think we had a huge touring party at 35. It was a brand new show. Wow. And we really went in hard on how to make this show sound phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was still to this day one of the best shows I've, I've ever done. You know, I, I actually the first time they called me was to do an Arias performance a couple of years before, mm -hmm. which is our our Grammys in Australia, mm -hmm. and again similar thing. It was just getting them to print stems, opening up the parts, sampling those stems onto live instruments, mm -hmm. using a bunch of functionality in Ableton to play you know hook the instruments up to ableton to to play it live mm -hmm. then working with the front of house engineers going hey is that sounding right working mm -hmm. with the engineer to make sure that the musicians can respond well and then having the technology there that's working such that it feels like an instrument so mm -hmm. again go, going back to those early lessons with with kevin hathaway was you don't want to have to think when you're on stage yeah sure all you want to be doing on stage is is responding musically and responding wow. to the audience yeah so sure. if you can take away make the technology so easy that it just becomes about the playing and mm. just say yeah how can i make let's lift into the chorus what do i need to mm. do to do that mm -hmm. um, how do i connect with that person in the second row Mm. that's way more interesting to an audience who really doesn't care about the redundant Maddie Ableton system that yeah. you've got to the stage. They don't care. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They want to sure. sing, you know, Stranger, Will You Walk Me Home? Or, mm -hmm. you know, with, uh, you know, I, I got pulled in by Charlie XCX's team to, mm -hmm. she was in Australia to, to do a couple of things and her audience wants to sing, you know, boys um mm -hmm. or whatever song it is then yeah. so f number one audience focus and using mm -hmm. technology to achieve that mm -hmm. is is the real through is the through line there yeah, so then sure. finishing the story from from peaking dark then people just wanted that sound and, and i think mm -hmm. that into approach and I've got, I've got a matter of working with people and mm. going hey this have you thought about this this is an option mm -hmm. and also going back detailed pre-production mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't want any decisions to be made in rehearsals if we're making mm. decisions in rehearsals we're making them far too late mm. you know, sure yeah we need to make a show like we're making an album mm. you know we're working on something an arena tour through the states at the moment and mm. we're talking about this is a movie so we need to be just as detailed in all the pre-production, making sure that does everything hit exactly as we want it to. Mm. Um, sure. And then in rehearsals, it's just making sure that the performance equals what what we've done and if there needs to be any minor tweaks. Mm. And as oh well, just, God. you know, from, from the larger scale of things, from... Uh, generally the music director is such a lightning rod for every department because mm -hmm. music is what starts mm. starts all these things so mm -hmm. the, the led and the screen content and the pyro gags can't be built unless they know 
what's happening yeah. with the music. So music Absolutely. leads it. Yeah, sure. That's when, you know, Parkway Drive called me at the same time. And mm-hmm. the call from Parkway was, oh, hey, do you know any string players? And so mm-hmm. going back to the classical roots, mm. and they they were using Pro Tools at the time. And I said, well, let's switch to Ableton. Let's work mm-hmm. with the front of house. Let's work mm. on the mix. Mm. Let's, um, let's look at um, with the string players, what needs to happen there. Let's work mm. at um, how do we get a really wonderful string sound out front when you've got mm. open mics, mm-hmm. but you also have a great performance. So working out the right blend of tracks to live, um, mm-hmm. and you know, what, what needs to be on track, what doesn't need to be, mm. uh, then working with the guys on, Hey, what, what tempos are right here? What, mm-hmm. what feels good. And then that just developed naturally. Then, mm. uh, a guy that used to do some stuff for them live didn't be, became unresponsive to emails. And they're just like, okay, Joel, um, Hey, here's a script of how we mm. see our next tour working. Wow. And, and it was, <laughs> they wanted to walk through the audience and Winston said, I wanted it to feel like Rocky entering, entering an arena. I was like, yeah, I can do that. And wow. then I remember sending him the first pass and he goes, no. <laughs> and I went, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just a little bit too horror and scary. And so then we band around some other ideas and he goes, actually, I'm thinking this sound reference, this sound reference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I turn around 24 hours and there we go. Yeah. And oh, man, was, great. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, That's amazing. Dude, there's so much like in that journey that we could – dive into <laughs> deeper and uh it's just it's super inspiring because honestly when i was thinking to um establish this channel and uh I, I wanted to give a platform to to drummers who kind of yeah started their journey as as drummers and percussionists and then went on to like broaden their musical skill set yeah. i suppose you could say and dive into something different and then end up succeeding in that but but coming at everything from the the perspective of a drummer and that's like exactly what you're doing you're one of the first guys i thought of like man i'd love to chat with joel about about how he how he's doing what he's doing now because it's super super cool um and i mean i was going to ask you like how did the 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 transition of you going from like player to producer md but it really sounds like it was kind of working like the two things were working simultaneously throughout your your journey you know you were picking up things from the the royal college days that are you're using today still you know in terms of um of producing and and creative choices and arranging and and all that kind of stuff so um i guess now that you have your business established like of you know file and creative where people are coming to you like specifically for this thing um and you're in a position to like potentially hire drummers or percussionists for shows you've obviously got a lot of experience in that you know being a drummer yourself playing on huge festivals and and tv shows and stuff like that so so what do you look for if, if there's like a young drummer watching this who wants to get into this world of playing for big artists and tours what are you looking for in a drummer and, and what are some skill sets that you think guys today can can perhaps work on more and focus on more if they want to get into this kind of pop world i suppose uh, that's a great question. I so yeah. My big thing is that the playing that just has to be taken care of. Sure. So yeah. it, anyone who really comes and and auditions or that we're even looking at approaching, the playing is not even a consideration. If mm. if you've come across the desk, you can play. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so and in that. So to open that up, it's got to be someone who plays for the song. Mm-hmm. So, and generally not many fills. Mm-hmm. No fills unless asked. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I Basically. love that approach. <laughs> yeah. And yep. so play exactly what's on on the record and on the reference. Mm. And, and don't deviate is, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the first one. Um, so... Obviously, great time, mm. 
So the the attitude of, you know, it, you're not there for you. Mm. Um, I remember going for a walk with a drummer um, a year or two ago who is a phenomenal drummer. I, I love his playing. And I said, hey, mm. this thing that the band was a bit, um, the artist had a couple of fusion-y type things and so mm-hmm. we needed there are certain players who you you go to for certain things mm-hmm. and someone recommended him and my my approach is is very much a to get a feel and a read on on someone in person mm. and and i said so we'd have to lock you lock your parts down mm. so every night you'd have to play the same notes mm. More or less, you know, you mm-hmm. can change up a, a little fill here and there, but mm-hmm. it needs to stay the same. Mm-hmm. Goes, I'd love to offer it to you if you'd be happy to do that. And he goes, that's not me. Yeah, well. Full credit to him because he needed sure. to express himself. He was one of the most incredible soloists, mm. small group playing, fusion playing, incredible. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to playing for an artist where we needed him and any musician just to be really consistent. Mm -hmm. The artist has got so much going on in their lives that they can't worry about us. Mm -hmm. It just needs to work. Mm -hmm. Be great and feel awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's, so yeah, first thing, play the parts. Mm -hmm. Second thing, be a real easy, easy going, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if the MD asks or the artist asks you to do something, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. sure, yep, um, cool. yep, you know, you, you're there for them, and or if that's not reasonable, I would go. I can do this, you know, mm-hmm. and be solutions based, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think especially you're one cog of a really big team mm-hmm. on the news show, which I do for the ABC. Mm. Um, there's 300 people on that production. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> and you know the 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 drummer sure mm. has to be has to be great and mm. is the background of the show and the feel needs to be amazing. So mm. great feel, great time, mm. play the parts, um, and know how to program. So mm. and your own electronics is mm-hmm. it, this is specifically for going into pop. Yeah, but um, it's great to know. Yeah. Yeah, own your own electronics and know how to program an SPD. And if someone, so generally I'll send a USB or send files to the drummer, have a Dropbox Mm. set up. Okay, Mm -hmm. here's the files for this song. Here's the file Mm -hmm. for this song. Here's your kick pad. Here's your kick trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, And then generally I do have a chat with the drummers about what they'd like on track and what they'd like you know, what works well for them. And I'll come with a mm-hmm. suggestion. I'll just go, this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And then the drummer might go, might feel better if I do this, might feel better if I do that. So that week or two of pre-production mm-hmm. before rehearsals mm-hmm. is really important. And I think that's the final thing. Uh, rehearsals are not for learning notes. Mm. Turn up to rehearsals with parts memorized. Yeah, sure. And the arrangements memorized. Mm-hmm. Sure, have you notes in case the MD wants to go at a, you know, oh, can we go from the second chorus? Oh yeah, this mm-hmm. bit. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that that was that piece of advice was given to me, and I very much took heed. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, definitely rehearsals are not for learning notes. Turn up with yeah. everything, not just learnt but memorized. Mm-hmm. And if there's no, if it's a track without click, and this is a trick that Ralph Salmon's taught me, bring your own metronome. Mm. Um, bring and bring like a little iPod head earpiece, which is really great because that lets in other sound. Mm-mm. And so you can run your own click. Mm. And even at cover bands and things mm-hmm. like that, Play your own click or start it off so it gets steady and then, you know, mm-hmm. turn it off after, you know, eight bars. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, because time is definitely the um, 
it's your biggest responsibility as a drummer. Yeah, sure. Man, that's that's such like an amazing insight because I think like a, a lot of the world of of you know being a pop drummer or, or pop musician f- for that matter at all is a little bit like it's a little bit vague because like if you look at your journey as a typical like music student you know going to uh, you know music high school then college and you, your focus is just to learn like how you can play your instrument the absolute best you can and then when you get into this world of pop like you say that's like that's a given you know you you have to do that it's just now this whole other skill set and and focus of of the consistency and the attitude and the appreciation of of you know playing for the song and playing for the music um and i think that's where potentially yeah, a lot of uh, musicians would struggle they think like yeah i can i can do this gig yeah i'll go on tour whatever it'd be great i can do my thing and and it's really like no man you gotta like you know rein it in and listen to the song it's not yeah like i say it's not about you anymore it's about like using what you can do as a musician to serve someone else so <laughs> yeah that's that's great to to, to hear that straight from you because you know you're you're living that (laughs) every day and um i guess like because you've had such an extensive background in in drumming for these major artists as well do do you see the role of the drummer differently to maybe other producers who pull together shows or i mean of course you have a very balanced view of pulling the whole show together but like do you see how they can be utilized more or you know um do you know doing more with what you know the drummer position can be uh no not particularly i don't no. i think in general it, it's about every musician has all those mm. responsibilities mm-hmm. you know um no no learning at rehearsals yeah sure <laughs> um, and consistency a bit like you when you're playing with Cirque, if if you hit yeah. a crash school in the wrong place like one, one of the tumblers might think that that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like yeah. what, what what you play is is actually a bit more life and death than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in some ways it it can really yeah, of course it can throw people off, but um, but but yeah, I think we're we're lucky with Cirque in the sense that we get some flexibility in some specific moments, which is is cool like because you get that you know little taste of like musical freedom and expression but then yeah yeah, like you said there are certain points that have to be like the same every day because it's yeah it's a cue for you know for lighting or automation or you know doing a trick you know on stage so so yeah it's 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 there are certainly some some parallels um but i'm curious now what like what percentage of your work is like producing and MDing versus actually playing like are you doing many gigs as a player or is it mostly no. just like yeah I haven't kind of- I generally if I play it's now just in the studio if I'm making some tracks or mm. uh I produce Tones and Eyes later single and um I I played some toms because we needed mm-hmm. we needed them there because it, it can just be quicker. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> just and, jump in. And, and especially yeah. with, you know, the music that I'm making is is pretty commercial. It's pretty, mm. you, you know, it's... And then if I need to get some live drums recorded, I've got a mm. couple of guys who have their drums set up really mm. well mic'd all the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. that they just say, oh, hey... The aria's just gone, tones. Um, we had a very, very tight turnaround um, to pull the the track that, that she did together. Mm. And, you know, I call, it was um, uh, Danny Ferugia. And mm. he has, I don't know if you know Danny, but. Um, I, w- I just did a chat with him like this uh, last week about his recording setup and, and, recording from home so yes very well <laughs> so i called danny and just go hey yeah. <laughs> great he did it that day i had files Amazing. that night yeah. and everything was fine it was um it was great and he laid down all the percussion stuff i and it was a really great i think at this level just going back mm-hmm. to that thing i need the drummers and the musicians to make my job easy mm. sure. so it, it was a cover of Xanadu mm-hmm. and 
uh, oh, it was a bit of a medley. Oh, that's right. It was an Olivia Newton-John medley, and it was mm-hmm. going from Xanadu into um, You're the One Who I Want. Mm. And I had a couple of emails with Danny just going, hey, thinking this, here's the reference at Electrical Idols, and, and he just goes, concert toms, kibasa, shakers, and I was like, perfect, hit it. And, and he goes, Real, how do you find... Uh, how do you find this? And it was just the first pass, and it was perfect. Done, man. He's he's a legend. He's he's got his setup like so dialed in, and uh, and he he really loves it as well, which is great. He's not coming at the, like the online recording thing from a you know a business point of view. He's genuinely like passionate about what he's doing, and has such an incredible like span of knowledge and musical experience to just pull references out like oh you want that thing yeah i got that yeah you want this thing yeah no worries it's great and his feel as well i think going mm. back to what i'm looking for in a drummer is a feel mm. you know sure um, yeah, man. Uh, how do you just get it feeling great for the for the performers mm-hmm. that, and there's, that, there's one thing to like yeah getting it to feel good you know another avenue but like making it feel good with a click or with a track you know and still having that human element you know what's that line of of like yeah human feel but like not flamming with you know backbeats and stuff like that yeah for sure man i guess just to wrap it up um if if there's a a drummer or a musician watching who wants to get into the world that you're in of of like the producing pulling together shows what do you think some of the main things are that are are important like obviously like programming you know knowledge of technical stuff you know but more like um like are there certain personality traits that you think are really important or you know anything that people should like make sure they've got uh that have studied like you know just just keen to hear your thoughts on that i think it's really important to to watch what people are doing at the gigs that you want to do Mm. yeah so it's really wonderful to be able to watch what Tony Royster Jr. is doing with Katy Perry, right? And mm-hmm. you watch the drop cam footage, which he's great at putting up there. Mm-hmm. Now, what's what's great about that is that he's doing a great mixture of electronics and live. Mm-hmm. I think for someone starting out, though, your first gig's probably going to be at a club mm. or at, you know, a small... Your, your first gig will not be mm-hmm. Wembley... Wembley Stadium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So get to know. So one of the reasons that I got all that work with all the the dance music crew mm-hmm. was that they were my friends, you know. Yeah, sure. Rufus DeSoul and mm-hmm. uh, Hayden and Kamara, mm-hmm. Peking Duck guys, we'd see each other and Alice in Wonderland and we'd see each other on a Friday night mm-hmm. and we'd go to each other's gigs and... So same with that, go and hang out with the gig that you want to do. Know that group of people who are doing them mm. and understand how they make it. So mm. I, for getting that first gig, mm. you're, you're not going to do it by by sitting in the practice room. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. really important. You need to be able to take care of business. Mm-hmm. But in order to having an understanding of, going to shows and mm. standing out front just going yeah that sounds great go to as many shows as you can if mm. if you're at uni in you know and you want to do this as as a career mm. go to shows four nights a week go mm. to big shows, go to little shows mm. understand how mm-hmm. um, the sounds that are made for the music that you want to make the amount of mm-hmm. musicians even now I'm still mm. teaching how to program an SPD properly. Yeah, well, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's such a staple, you know, piece of equipment now in in the scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's huge. Yeah. yeah, man. Wow. And I guess that's um, it. Like it, it, both of these things go hand in hand. Whether you want to get into the world of of being a musician for this type of thing or a producer, where you're pulling, you know, the shows together themselves. Like, I, th- I think the role is both these days. Mm. I think when you play, being able to hear it from the audience's perspective, mm-hmm. and and I think spe- specifically in I I make song based music. Mm. The main purpose of um, most of the work that I work in is um, 
to serve a, vo- a vocal. Mm-hmm. And so how does the parts work around that? Actually, that's the other thing then is learning parts note for note, mm-hmm. transcribing them. And mm. I I really needed to work on my pocket uh, of my, my R&B type feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to see a guy called Carlos Hercules in uh, in the UK when I was living there. And he got me to transcribe note for note. Um, one week it was a country thing. Another week it was, uh, I don't know, Macy Gray. Another mm-hmm. week it was, but we're talking every little fill, every little ghost note. Wow. Transcribing note for note. And I guess same mm-hmm. thing with musical theatre things. It's If you're going into a musical theatre show, you're not playing for you. Mm-hmm. You're playing, you're going into debt for that drummer. Yeah, so, of course. Um, which you say, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. It's really funny. Some drummers don't yeah. have, or, or, and, and I think that's particularly a drum thing mm. is because everyone's ghost notes and feels are pretty personal. Mm. You know, are you accenting the hats with a shaft, the stick or the tip? Mm-hmm. That's the level yeah. of detail that sure. if you're going to sub, mm. you know, which actually likely your first gig to get in will be mm. subbing. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing. I think uh, uh, many musicians go on this journey of, of yeah, becoming really great at their instrument and they're like, okay, how can I make money? Oh, musical theater, that's a cool gig. Cirque du Soleil, I get so, so many messages from people about like, how do we get into Cirque du Soleil? Because, you know, here it's a great company to work for and it's a steady job and all that. But they don't realize like, yeah, both theater and Cirque, like, yeah, you have to play, but it's you have to like rein in any kind of like, you know, thought of like, I'm just going to get out there and do my thing and shred and, you know, blah, 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 especially with theater, like, and especially for subbing, like even more so, like if you're playing a theater show and it's your book, then, you know, you can put your nuances here and there. But if you're coming into to, to sub for someone on a theater gig, that's an extra level of like, um, you know, uh, cloning that you have to do and like consistency that you have to try and match. So, uh, but it's that paycheck thing, man, that, that kind of comes up with people like, oh, I, I want to make money playing music. And it's like, well, okay, cool. But you got to like rein the ego in and like, uh, and, and, and just, yeah appreciate what you're doing from a from a bigger viewpoint and i think that's it i mean when you are paid by someone else to play Mm. you're doing their vision Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure you're more than welcome to go and do your own project Mm -hmm. and actually i highly encourage it because i I think that's a great outlet for so many people where you get to make the calls Mm -hmm. and especially at the beginning Nowadays, I'm I'm in a wonderful position where I can. You at, at this level, you can call people like like Danny Ferrugia and just go, mm-hmm. "Hey, mm-hmm. I need." It, it was a two line email. It was, "Here's the track. Can you replace my demo drums? Uh, I want it to feel like authentic Jeff Lynn ELO mm-hmm. era, mm-hmm. and I need it to feel exactly like you're the one that I want." Mm-hmm. three lines and then i send it to him and he sends it back and i can trust him because he's got this wealth and depth and you know i hope he listens to this <laughs> <laughs> i'll make sure i send it to him don't worry <laughs> the same, you know, lee fisher is another great example of that mm-hmm. dave jenkins jr is mm-hmm. a, a great you know this is specifically speaking to australians yeah yeah um, and they they understand um they get the creative freedom because they understand what the job mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. but they know that they know the rules to play by so yeah. i didn't get so on his own without even meant, without even bringing it up um danny brought out the concert toms and, and the cabasses and it was only once they turned up on the track that i went yeah amazing call yeah 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 i trusted him because he'd earned that level of trust. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. going back to the, the early, um, the early players, you've got to earn that trust and you mm. just earn that trust by being consistent, chill, mm. and great every single time you pick up sticks. Man, 
huge. There's there's so much great insight and uh, and wisdom in in our chat today, man. Thank you so much for for taking time out of your super busy schedule to to talk about things. Um, yeah, I learn a lot. I know a lot of guys watching this are gonna take so much from it. So yeah, man, really really appreciate you. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you or check out what you're doing or you see what shows you're working on or. I'm traditionally terrible at social media, um, but at Farland Creative is, you know, we've got, uh, there's five people working for us now um, mm-hmm. and a couple of MDs. Uh, Trish, who's one of our MDs, started working with us last year. She's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so that's at Farland Creative and mm-hmm. farlandcreative.com. You can mm-hmm. see uh, a bunch of our work there. Mm-hmm. And touring at the moment, um, we've got Tones and Eyes show. Mm. We've got Parkway Drive about to start Europe festivals. Um, what else is coming up? There's a there's something coming up I can't really speak about just yet. <laughs> and uh, TK Meitzer mm. at Sparta. We've got Peach PRC about to go through the states and then she's doing splendor in the grass as well um i think oh and then we're doing a charity concert in queensland called songs for hope so okay. so yeah Man, that's a busy time oh my gosh <laughs> incredible dude Wow, that's super inspiring to hear you you chat about all this stuff, man. Um, yeah, thank you again, and uh, I hope we can catch up again in person sometime soon. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Thanks, mate. Cool. Thanks, man. Speak soon. Okay.